Haley. Catherine. Do you know how we got our podcast started so fast? How? We use the Anchor app. What's the Anchor app? Well, it's a really cool app. It's completely free and it'll distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Wow, it literally does all the work for you pretty much. Basically. For free? And yeah, and you can make money on your podcast. It's free. It's completely free. Anything you need to make your podcast will be all on Anchor. Wow. I'm more dependable than anyone in my life, so... I mean, (laughs) you said it. (laughs) Um, So if you guys are interested in starting a podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started. Thanks. Hey Haley, how are you? Hey Kat, I'm good. Good. How are you? I good. You, you good? I good. I good good. <laughs> I'm much better this week than last week. Mm, mm, why? Because <laughs> last week was scary. Oh, <laughs> this. I know, right? This one's like a cakewalk compared to cakewalk. Um, you know, we've been you know listening to our own voices say really scary things the last couple of weeks, so we decided to do something lighthearted. Anyway, this week we're doing True Crime versus Hollywood. Hey. Um, and so we're going to talk about the Pizza Bomber versus the movie 30 Minutes or Less. Now I know what you're saying. Catherine, Haley, that's not a horror movie or not. a true crime movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a crime movie. It may go very hard into the fact that they say it's not based on a real thing, but. It's, like, not exactly the same. It's much darker than the movie, obviously. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> there's a lot of similarities at the same time. So, the greatest resource that we have here is Netflix has a four-part series, docu-series, about the pizza bomber. Mm. And it, like, goes hard. It goes deep. Like, I am not going to go that deep. <laughs> I am going to give you very high level. Because this story is involved um but it's called evil genius if you want to watch it on netflix i watched it on vacation with my family this case seems really simple but it's actually pretty complex and took over seven years to investigate oh right the movie was only an hour and 20 minutes i know (laughs) (laughs) now there was no investigation in the movie um but on august 28 2003 brian wells is a pizza (laughs) She just, that's so raven to me. She just like... (laughs) (laughs) Gaze into the future. Future. Continue. I'm so sorry. Okay. (laughs) August 28, 2003. Mm. Uh, Brian Wells is a pizza delivery man. And he got an order to deliver, to deliver a pizza to, and I have the address, 8631 Peach Street, Mm -hmm. which was the location of a television tower. It's like a really remote kind of yard with a television tower on it. After he dropped off the pizza, he went to a bank called the PNC Bank in Summit Town Center, south of Erie, Pennsylvania. And Wells had a bomb locked around his neck, and he was carrying a cane gun. Um, He gave the teller a note and asked for $250,000, And the note said that the bomb around his neck 
would explode in 15 minutes if he didn't get the money. The teller could not access the vault that quickly, but gave Wells whatever they had, which was about $8,700. He left. Uh, Witnesses who were at the bank, they said that he stood in line very calmly. He took one of those, like, little dum-dum lollipops and, like, popped it in his mouth. And he seemed really confident, just, like, twirling the cane gun, like... Not he didn't go in like guns a blazing. He came, he just went in, walked up to the teller, handed her the note, walked out with the money. He doesn't seem nervous. No, he does he not seem, seem nervous, worried. not one bit. Mm-mm. He didn't seem aggravated or stressed out at all about the fact that he supposedly had a bomb around his neck. Right. Um, witnesses called nine one one, saying that someone had robbed the bank um, after he had left, and Wells had received a note that was like nine pages of like instructions after he robbed the bank and it was basically he was set kind of like on a treasure hunt uh so like uh, about 15 minutes after his after he left um he had he had completed the first task and he was about to go start the second task and the police found him in a parking lot at his car that's when they quickly cuffed him and sat him in the middle of the lot um wells said that three unnamed black people placed him a bomb around his neck and told him that he would kill him unless he committed the robbery and completed another series of tasks. The police did not try to disarm the device, uh, but focused on clearing out the area of civilians and people, mm-hmm. um, ensuring that Wells couldn't detonate the device from where he was. As he was sitting in the parking lot, the bomb started to beep. It was going beep, beep, beep. Beep, 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 and it kept on going faster. Mm -hmm. And that's when Wells started showing really strong signs of being stressed out. So he didn't think it was a real bomb? I I think that's... I mean, obviously we can't ask him. We don't know. But that's what they deducted, that he thought maybe it wasn't real. When he was walking around with it on his neck until it started beeping. Um, The bomb squad arrived about 15 minutes after the bomb had gone off. Uh, which because there was supposedly some traffic. <laughs> Great. Sure. <laughs> traffic. That's always my excuse too when I'm running late. Right. It's not the fact that I stayed in bed ten minutes more. <laughs> it's I not mean, the fact that I said I'm on my way and I wasn't even dressed yet. <laughs> you right. Um. So they went and they searched Wells' house and there was no indication that. He had made the bomb or that he had any plans to rob a bank or... Um, investigators pursued the lead uh, that Brian gave them about the black men. And this was a dead end because it turns out it was a lie. Oh, shocker. <laughs> On September 20th. We were on August 28th. This is September 20th. Almost a month. Later. Right. Yeah, almost a month later. William Rothstein or Bill Rothstein calls 911. He reports that there is a body of James Roden in his freezer in his garage. Who's James Roden? Who's James Roden? Who we don't know. Um, Well, James is actually the boyfriend of Marjorie Deal Armstrong, who Rothstein blames uh, James's death on. Now, why is this at all a part of the story? I'm like, what? (laughs) Well... He lives near the TV tower where the pizza was delivered. Now, when you are watching the documentary, when they are going through these people's houses, mm-hmm. these are legitimate hoarder houses. Like, 
shit all the way up to the wall. Like, like, like just a single pathway? Yeah. Not even a single pathway. Like, they had to, like, basically pull everything out to get to the um, freezer where James Roden's body was. How the fuck she get him in there? Who knows? <laughs> she didn't. He did. Oh, true. So, Marjorie Deal Armstrong. We're going to go a little bit more into who she is. Um, she had a history of suffering from multiple mental illnesses, including bipolar, since her early teens. Before her mental health deteriorated in her 20s, she was an exemplary student in high school, earned a master's degree. Um, in 1984, she shot her boyfriend, Robert Thomas, six times as he lay on the couch, but was acquitted because she claimed it was self-defense. Uh-huh. Her husband and several other partners also died under... Suspicious circumstances. Okay. You only get one freebie, bro. <laughs> you can only kill one spouse or partner. Like the <laughs> You only get so many freebies. You can only cry wolf a few times. Right, right. Bill Rothstein, he dated Marjorie in the late 60s and early 70s. He was a handyman and a part-time shop teacher. Um, and he called the group, his group of friends, fractured intellectual, intelligent people who were just not well adjusted. Mm-mm. Rothstein died in 2004 of um, cancer. And he didn't, and he was even questioned on his deathbed about the Wills case. Oh and he did not say anything. So in January 2005, Marjorie pleaded guilty, but mentally ill, to the murder of James Roden. And was sentenced to between 7 to 20 years in prison. Uh, she believed to kill Roden to prevent him from informing authorities about the robbery plot. Huh. 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 So. It's a cover up. It's a cover up. <laughs> in April 2005, Marjorie told state troopers that she had information about the Wells case. I think she was trying to get out of jail <laughs> by giving up this information. Mm-hmm. After meeting with FBI agents, during a series of interviews, Marjorie admitted to providing the kitchen timers for the bombs, but stated that Rothstein was the mastermind behind the plot, and that Wells was directly involved with the plan. In 2006, Marjorie had been charged with the crime, with Marjorie as the mastermind. The deceased Rothstein and Wells were named as unindicted co-conspirators. So, they believe that... It was this whole group of basically misfits who didn't have any kind of... They were supposedly very intelligent. They obviously knew how to make a bomb. Mm -hmm. They made this plan to get all this money, and they brought Wells in on it. And the reason that they believed that Wells was a part of it was that Wells' neck had to be measured for the bomb. It wouldn't have stayed on, and it wouldn't have been in the correct place if he hadn't been measured previously. So on November 1st, 2010, Marjorie was convicted and sentenced to life in prison over the Wells case Mm -hmm. because she was considered the mastermind of the whole thing. Yes, we love a strong female lead. Another reason that they believe that she was the mastermind was that the nine-page note that they found with Wells... Mm. It was. It sounded like her ramblings, and her. It had her handwriting. There is one other confession that happened after Marjorie was sentenced to prison. Mm-hmm. 
and it is this woman, her name is Jessica Hoopstick, and she admitted her involvement in the plot. Hoopstick says that she was a conspirator to find a gopher who would be scared into robbing a bank. There, They interview her on the documentary on Netflix, um, and she admitted to setting up Wells in exchange for money and drugs. She obviously regrets her role, as Wells had no advanced knowledge of the robbery. It's very crazy. ATF agent Jason Wicks stated that Hoopstick was uncooperative in 2003, um, that authorities always believed that she knew more about the case. However, Wick also expressed concern that Hoopstick might not be a credible witness. Wells' family really hates the fact that people think that he was a co-conspirator because they never got to properly mourn his death. They wholeheartedly say that he, he probably had no knowledge of it until his delivery that day like the movie yeah. i mean it's kind of sad because i'm like honestly i don't think he actually believed he was gonna die i don't think so either until he heard the beeping and he's yeah. like oh shit yeah because if you when you watch the video of him very visibly his his demeanor changes he's sitting there you know kind of like hollering at cops trying to get him to get the bomb off but then the, it starts beeping and he's like this is a real bomb. Hurry up. Let's get this off. Like, there's nothing they could do. Even if the bomb squad had gotten there 15 minutes earlier, I don't think there was going to be a way that they could have taken it off. I mean, I think that if you really want the incredible full story, watch the documentary. It does way better. It's four hours long, though. So we can't go into that much detail because yeah. I am not going to listen to and edit a four-hour long story. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but that's kind of like the gist of it. I honestly feel like, although they swear up and down that this movie was not the same, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the same. I mean, it's not a woman who did it. She's not the mastermind. But the stripper. The stripper. Oh, I mean, yeah. She, was she did create the entire plan. There's four people. And there's how many in your story? There was probably four, yeah. I don't know. Oh, it's <laughs> I very mean, it's, strange. Very similar. Yeah, it's very similar. But the video, the movie itself, it at the very end of the credits, it very explicitly says, any anything that matches any other kind of stories or people in history is just a coincidence. An unintentional. Unintentional. I wish I could do better on the story, but it really is convoluted. It's crazy. You should really watch the documentary, though. I want to watch it. Yeah. It's on my Netflix, like, watch list. I just haven't watched it. And then when I saw it on your thing, I was like, oh my god, we gotta watch that. And I was like, wait, that's the story that we're doing, yeah. like, next week. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. So, we'll be talking about the movie 30 Minutes or Less with <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg in it. It's mean? definitely a comedy. Like, it's yeah. not It's not very serious. Oh, no. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's pretty so, silly. It's, it's, it's funny. It's yeah. stupid. It's funny. Yeah. Catherine asked me if it was a Seth Rogen movie. Yeah, it, it gave Seth Rogen vibes because it has the same people in Seth Rogen movies. And Quick synopsis. It's about this pizza delivery boy named Nick. And, you know, the whole premise of pizza is 30 minutes or less. So he gets... 30 minutes or less or it's free. Or it's free. Yeah. Yeah. So, but basically Nick gets uh, dragged into this plan <laughs> to eventually get this inheritance and open us tanning salon but <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so dumb i know it does <laughs> but no, okay so 
So we have Nick, and then he has his best friend slash roommate, Chet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck's his name? Uh, Chet then, is played by Aziz Ansari from Parks and Recreation and Master to None. But Chet has a twin sister named Kate, who is obviously Nick's love interest. And then we have Dwayne and Travis. Yes. Which are the... Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Travis is played by Nick Swartzen. And then uh, Dwayne, who is played by Danny McBride. Long story short, Danny McBride lives with his dad, who's, his name's Major, they yeah. call him Major. He's this typical Marine asshole. <laughs> he basically won the lottery. Yeah. $10 million. He treats his, son, his, he treats his son like shit, but his son is also lazy and doesn't do anything. He doesn't have a his job. His son is a shithead. So, yeah. like... <laughs> like, they literally just fuck around, whatever. Yeah. They don't do shit. Dwayne goes to a strip club mm-hmm. and meets Juicy. Juicy! Her name's Juicy. <laughs> or her real name's Jacqueline. Yeah. But meets her, and he is basically talking about how much he hates his dad, and she's like, ugh, roll her eyes, I don't fucking care. Yeah. And he, she was like, why don't you just, like, leave? Like, get rid of your dad or, like, whatever. Like, get away from him. Right. And he's like, well, I want to stick around for my inheritance. Right. Because he's apparently getting whatever's left of that lottery money. And she's right. like, oh, money? Money? <laughs> money? So she basically says she has a friend that can take his dad out. Yeah. But it'll be $100,000. And he's like, all right, bet. Yeah. They, they devise this plan. Poor sweet Nick. They basically have a pizza delivered to a yard. It's like a junkyard. Yeah, like a junkyard. They chloroform him. They put a vest on him that's covered. That's a bomb. Yeah. And he has like 15 hours or something to get them $100,000. And then they'll give him the code. He does all this. He robs the bank with his friend, his best friend Chet. And everything. But they try to, like, screw him over, and they have him meet up with that dude that's going to take the guy's dad out. Yeah. Which he doesn't know about the whole plan. Right. So, when he's asking for the code for the vest, for the bomb vest, he's really confused. And then Nick gets upset and is like, give me my money back, da 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 So then they get into an argument, knocks the the stripper girl and the guy out. Yeah. And then leaves with the money. Right. Which, in return, pisses Dwayne off. Right. And is like, I'm going to blow his ass up, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, um, mind you, this is all for a fucking tanning salon. Right. They're trying to get the inheritance so they can open a tanning salon Slash front to, like, a brothel. <laughs> like a prostitution ring yeah. or something. They take off with Nick and Chet, take off with the money. Dwayne and Travis are eating tacos with forks. I was like, why are they eating tacos with forks? <laughs> They're hard shell tacos. Like, I didn't understand. I don't know. And then the guy, the hitman, or assassin, his name is Chango. I'll go with that. Or, his name's Chango. So, Chango calls Dwayne and is like, yo, I'm going to come get you yeah. now. Your like, boy took the hit. money. Yeah. Yeah, like, you're going to be my new hit. So, Chango ends up going to the guy's house to look for him, which his dad's there. And shoots the dad, but the dad also shoots him because his dad's a fucking hard ass right. and whatever. With a pen With gun. With a pen gun. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> With a pen gun. And then leaves the dad for dead. Is he dead? We don't know yet. We don't know. Um, it all comes together. Final act of the movie. 
Travis and Dwayne saw Nick meet up with Kay earlier, so they're like, you know what? Damsel in distress. We're going to kidnap her. Right. So they kidnap her, and Nick and Chet are like, oh my god, because it's his love interest, and then it's his friend's sister, so it's like, all right, all bets are off. off. Yeah. So they go, they meet up, they give him the money, they give him the code, which the code was 696969. So stupid. So dumb. <laughs> Any place that they could make some dumb joke like that, they did, obviously. Yeah, full of sexual jokes. Oh, yeah. Full of sexual jokes. But yeah, so everything seems happy. They got their money. He's got the vest off. But then Dwayne was planning on killing them. But then he said that they had like a sniper, which was just a laser pointer. Right. Which is funny. <laughs> but so everything's like, ooh, all good. They they got their money. They're leaving. Chango shows up, obviously. Right. right. And is going to kill all of them. <laughs> Fucking Travis comes out with the flamethrower <laughs> and flames the guy dead. Yeah. And then... Um, but before he died, he shot him. And he exploded. Oh. Well, he was he was flamethrowing him, and then, like, he shot through the flame, and then it, it yeah, right. it exploded the tank. And, and he caught on fire. Yeah, he caught on fire, which... But Dwayne did save his best friend. Wow. Because best friend love, whatever. <laughs> anyway, it seems all good. Nick, Chet, and Kate, they get away. Dwayne chases him down in the van. The van explodes because the bomb was still in the van. It just kind of ends there. Like, yeah. literally rolls credits. With right. They're like, we're rich. We're $100,000 richer. Right. No consequences. Yeah. No police. Mm-hmm. Like, the police have seen their faces. Like, Yeah. They're- like, as soon as they <laughs> robbed the bank, like, right as they exited the bank, they take their ski mask off. Right. And then a cop pulls up. And I'm like, why the fuck would you take your mask off right now? Right. Like, like wait till you get in the car or something. Right. Like, and oh. they didn't put it on until they walked through the door. Yeah. They were literally at the entrance. <laughs> Mind you, you know, doors are glass, like, right. at banks, so you can see Also, how. I feel like every bank has at least one camera outside, too. Right. It was very dumb, yeah. It was funny, though, but yeah, some similarities. Yes, the main pizza boy gets a strange delivery, <laughs> bomb wrapped, uh, bomb put on him somewhere yeah. to rob the bank, bank. But, but it was right. only $100,000, not two fifty. Yeah. from your story. Um, and our guy didn't die, and it was a happy-ish ending, but, you know? Right. At the very end, it Garbage. shows, like, a little infomercial for their tanning salon. <laughs> yeah. Major tan. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was all a happy ending. The dad survived, and... Everyone survived. Yeah, except Chango. Except Chango, yeah. Yeah, even the strippers and on the, yeah, the new... Tan hus- salon. Tan salon hustle. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's how, that's the movie. Are we gonna have Haley's fun facts? I had I only have a little bit because there there literally wasn't that much on this movie. Um, when I did look it up though, so it got a six point one out of ten. Mm-hmm. Released on August twelfth of two thousand eleven. The budget was two. The budget was twenty eight million. Twenty eight million. Mm-hmm. It made forty point seven million back. Um, and then the last little thing that I wrote was it did have an alternate ending. Oh really? Um, so alternate ending was. Nick, Chet, and Kay, they're driving off like how they did in the actual ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dwayne goes to see if his dad's still alive, and he tells his dad about his plan about the tanning salon, and his dad is, like, actually proud of him. Mm-hmm. And is just like, I'm so proud of you, son. Um, and then it shows uh, Nick, Chet, and Kay at the Four Seasons because of her management mm-hmm. position that she got there. Right. 
in Atlanta and everyone's happy and Chango ended up getting uh, blamed for the robbery. That is the true crime versus Hollywood that we have for this week. I know it's very it's light, very lighthearted very light-hearted compared to our <laughs> urban legends. We are sorry if your our urban legends spooked anyone, but it spooked us too. So. It spooked us. I I did a very stupid thing and I edited it at midnight. Yeah. Between midnight and 2 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> like, she texts me and she's like, I'm stupid. I'm like, why? She's like, I'm just now deciding to edit the podcast. And I'm like, bitch, it is in the a.m.s. <laughs> like, 3 a.m. is devil Spook- hour. Yeah, spooky like, hour is coming up. <laughs> so, we're sorry if it was too spooky. Hopefully it wasn't. I'm very, I'm still, I'm going to say it again, still very excited for October. We're having lots of things and lots of fun. So excited. We have lots of guests and... Surprises planned. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Uh, I'm so excited. We do have campfire night coming up in October. Mm -hmm. If you guys have any true crime stories or spoopy stories, ghosties, ghosties paranormal, anything. Demons. Yep. Ouija board. If you want, you can send it to our our DMs, which uh, on like Twitter which is for the ghouls, Instagram, which is Saturdays are for the ghouls, or Facebook, Saturdays are for the ghouls. There's a little message button. You can send us a message with your story, and we'll be able to read it during campfire night. Mm. That would be really fun. Oh, we would really love your stories. Anything I, you have to add? Well, I'm, I'm, I hope that this was a lot more lighthearted, and you can actually listen to this at night. At nighttime? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, spooky babes. As you lay your little head on your pillow. Eat some pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Watch a dumb movie. That you got in 30 minutes or less. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is absolutely no, not related at all to the crew true crime. But nope. Lay your little head down after you've eaten some pizza. Watch the stupid movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we will see you. In your nightmares. <laughs> but um. <laughs> <laughs>